0: Hello, my name is John Lim, executive producer and co-host of the podcast series Moving Forward. In the following episode, my co-host Krista Nepper interviews a very gifted and talented artist. During the interview, the guest reveals a traumatic event that occurred during her childhood. While there is no graphic language or explicit descriptions, the subject matter may be intense for younger listeners. Parental discretion is advised. We also recommend that parents listen to this episode, and if they feel appropriate, share it with their children, and have a frank discussion afterwards on how best they can protect themselves. We thank you. In a world where people are famous for doing nothing, we're here to discover the ordinary individuals who take giant leaps to do something extraordinary. Welcome to Moving Forward.
1: Welcome to Moving Forward. I am your host this week, Kristen Nepper, and today I am honored that Callie Rawson is joining us. Callie is an actress, a filmmaker, an artist, a creative spirit, and the ambassador to Save the Children Tibet. Callie, thank you so much for being here and welcome.
2: Oh, thank you so much, Kristen.
1: So I wanted to dive in with your branding because it's such such a unique Um, Mark. So whenever you go to your your website, your LinkedIn page, it says Callie Rossin, the pow girl. So a lot of people I know are told to brand themselves, told to market themselves, but you've really put it out there. So can you tell us a little bit about the pow girl and how that came to be?
2: Well, I have a lot of energy when people meet me. And uh, so I wanted something that was my essence. Mm also, an acronym for something. So, POW. POW is something that is like an explosion, something that's created. And at first, before I took neuro linguistic programming trains, I had it mean protect our world. And because as an ambassador for Save the Children of Tibet, I wanted to protect these children. And So after NLP, what I discovered was that I was coming from a past of feeling not safe. So what I did in Neuro Linguistic Programming is I shifted it and I started looking to the future. And I created Planet of Wonder. Because we are ultimately creating our futures. And it's really neat that we're on the show called Moving Forward. And when you are moving forward, what are we creating? And so I'm creating a planet of wonder, predicted Oscar winner, powerful, optimistic woman, peace over war. There's so many things. I'm Each day I um, think about what can I create today with the POW. But I wanted to
1: ask you, so you mentioned um, neuro-linguistic programming. So yes, you said a lot. I want to inpa- unpack some of it. So let's go ahead. Can you tell us a little bit about neuro-linguistic programming, or NLP, how you found it, how it's impacted you, and what it is for our listeners that may never have heard of this before.
2: Neuro-linguistic programming is a technique that I was trained in through Kaya Redford Success Coaching. And I went in wanting to have a breakthrough in my acting career. And what it does is we all have memories and our memories are attached to emotional triggers, and what I discovered in neurolingu- neurolinguistic programming is there's a way to guide people to remove that emotional trigger that creates unwanted, inappropriate responses to to situations. Sometimes when people are under stress, and I found it really fascinating, and it's really helped me a lot. I feel more confident. I feel um, more um, strength in a situation when I used to feel very stressed out sometimes when I had a lot of things on my plate. Mm. Now, I think big picture instead of bogged down by the details and... I think it's really shifted my thinking and healed me in a lot of ways I like that. so that I can be even more of who I am.
1: I like that. Can I ask a couple of questions? I'm not particularly familiar with it. Is it similar to, I am familiar with um, tapping or EFT, emotional freedom technique, where you tap on acupuncture points on your face, on your chest, under your arms. Is it similar to that or is it using language to empower us, re-defining uh, how we might see a certain event?
2: You know, I think that tapping technique is similar to our anchoring technique. In the NLP. Okay. What happens is when someone is in a specific state and you press on certain trigger points on a person's body, you anchor that specific state. So I think tapping maybe that, because I think in tapping, don't you say some kind of positive message and you tap in that area?
1: Yes. it would be, even though I'm angry at my mother, my spouse, what have you, I still Truly love and accept myself would be one of the phrases that you would use. And so you would work through an event, anger, and it might take, you know, more than one time to do so, but it's utilizing these release points on your body in order to let that memory or that event flow through you rather than holding on to it and allowing it to continue to trigger you as you live your life. Hmm. Okay.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's neat
1: yeah it's very it's very effective um and it's how hel- it's helpful with any post traumatic stress memory
2: mm-hmm. yeah um anchoring is really powerful you you don't just tap you hold the spot for several seconds and um and you put the person in a specific state like I would definitely not put someone in an anger state, sure. But the tapping, um, I'd have to look into that. But thanks for telling me. No, yeah. Just
1: for our listeners who might be familiar with one and not the other. And maybe we'll have some people write in and tell us the differences even. But you you had mentioned that you had begun this class because you wanted it to impact your acting. So how has it impacted your craft and your creative process?
2: You know, I took it not to help with the actual craft of it but with my booking and my creativity, because I feel like I stop myself sometimes, or I when my nerves, I used to get a little stressed out and nervous, and I think that's what it's helped me is to be present. So in a lot of ways, yes, it did help my acting career. I mean, my acting craft part, because when you're present, In a scene, it's very powerful. Absolutely. I I shot a film right after I had finished NLP, and the director gave us two days on their schedule to shoot it. And we began at 7 o'clock in the morning, and we completely finished every scene at 10 o'clock in the evening. And he was blown away. The director's name is Cycle Hike, and he's through the arts Um, Cal Arts um, University here Mm -hmm. and the scenes were very emotional so that's why he gave us two days but because of NLP I believe that because I could shed any kind of insecurities I shed a lot of insecurities in that class that it allowed me to just be in that moment and really be present to what was happening and it it impacted the schedule, which is great because it saved a whole day of filming.
1: Absolutely. And that's pretty unheard of. Usually schedules go long rather than, oh, we did it all in an hour or two. That's great. Yeah. Let me ask you a little bit about your personal development, because you sound as though you're very evolved. You're very spiritual. You've gone through some, you know, advanced trainings. So what was the hardest thing that ever happened to you? How did you begin this journey or what was that pain point you know in
2: 1994 i had uh i was working as a dental hygienist in dallas texas and a dentist i was working with shelly canada invited me to a course that she was taking called self-expression and leadership and i'm sitting in the room listening to the class and a woman stood up and was sharing about a uh a project she was creating in the world called We Care, and it was on the cover of a magazine where she was feeding children in the city of Houston, and then another woman stood up and started sharing about her project about building homes for underprivileged families, and she had land donated, materials donated to build these homes, And in the back of the room, I'm sitting there thinking, wow, I want to do something like this. And immediately I was enrolled in this uh, transformational um, course. And so ever since 1994, each year I've done trainings to improve who I am in the world. And uh, that's... The 21st year is this year, and it's really impacted my life in such a way that I'm really humbled by it. It's extraordinary.
1: I am blown away. What a gift to give yourself. I think so many times, women in particular, we're giving to others, and we don't really replenish what we need to. So that is amazing. Well done. Thank you. Can I ask, is there a favorite one that you've taken thus far? favorite
2: course you know my one of my favorites is the wisdom program it was a year-long course about play like what it is to actually play because when we grow up as adults we forget how to play and so we have all these adults in the class drawing and painting and singing and dancing and um creating and uh during that course I declared that I would be in a role, in a major role, in a major, th- in a major film, and about six months later, I was cast in a film, shooting in, Chiavari, Italy. Mm. That, that was in 2000, and uh, it just, the play and the collaging was, a very freeing experience, and so that was my favorite class. I a- love two- that. I
1: think that's so important. And I think adults don't recognize how important that is. I know Brene Brown has spoken about her research regarding vulnerability and authenticity. And one of the things she even says is, oh, that's cute. You go do your ART. I have a job." And we really don't allow ourselves not only to play, but to have a free schedule in which we could cultivate anything creative or organic in that way. So that, I think that's something that we should all look into. I know I'm going to. Yeah. You also had mentioned a couple of times here, I've heard you weave in, I put this out there to the universe. This was something I committed to myself. I was going to accomplish, which sounds to me like the law of attraction. So let me ask you a little bit about that. Do you believe in the law of attraction and how do you cultivate that into your life?
2: Yeah. The law of attraction is real. Um, I believe that we're magnets, so to speak. And People think that the law of attraction is that you wish for something and it happens. No. I've discovered that it's the state that we're in. And what I mean by that is you are either in a state of abundance or you're in a state of lack. So someone that's in a state of abundance who is wishing for something and visualizing it and feeling it most likely is going to attract it sooner than a person that's thinking, oh, I don't know how I'm going to get this done, it's impossible, I don't have the money, and they're in this state of lack and frightful of how things are going to happen.
1: Absolutely. And I've heard, we've had conversations offline about the language you use in the universe and how the universe does not recognize the word no. So for example, I will no longer be a victim rather than I am a survivor and the choices we make with how we present ourselves and that energy that shows up in the world and what we attract there for.
2: Yeah. I was approached by an organization, a nonprofit to support them. And I asked what the name was and it was no more victims and i said i would love to support you although no more victims is actually creating more victims so right we went through a a little bit of coaching over a few days and it turned into rise and stand reach empower support and empower and that organization is thriving and so i i support that 100 percent.
1: yeah i love that and i've yeah, what a beautiful reminder for our listeners as well.
0: Hey, Moving Forward listeners, if you're enjoying today's episode, consider supporting the podcast. You can purchase a copy of the Corporate Cliches Adult Coloring Book or try out Amazon Prime or Audible using one of my affiliate links, which you can find in the write up for any of the episodes at bemovingforward.com.
1: So you had mentioned that the wisdom course and the aspect of play, that was something that was very freeing to you. But when do you feel the most free?
2: Hmm. When I'm creating and when I'm on the water or near the water, something about water and creating, um, be it um, painting or revising a script or uh, recording a scene, or um, being creative is um, almost out of body experience for me because the time goes by so quickly, and it. And when I'm creating from my heart, and I'm creating from nothing, it's good to have a plan. Yes, but sometimes when I the when I'm feeling the most free is when I'm just creating from nothing. I it's like that. Amazing.
1: That's very yeah. organic. And I know one of your other passions that's uh, is singing. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And also, you know, in the context of your work with Save the Children, I know you've done some
2: benefits with them. Well, um, singing i um I'm in the midst of a breakthrough with my singing because as a young child um singing was actually my dream, and I was about eight years old, and I would travel with the nuns to Boston to some cathedrals and I discovered that singing was my ultimate like it was revealing my soul at an at a level that I've never experienced in any other creation. Mm. And um, so I know this question seems like it's going all over the place. But Not at
1: all. Not at all.
2: <laughs> so, um, so with the children of Tibet, um, they had asked if I would bring awareness and um, bring funds to build this orphanage. So we had two concerts and I'm noticing that my, I I really would like to have a breakthrough with my singing because something traumatic happened to me when I was about eight years old. Something that um, I was reluctant to reveal on the show but I will, um, I was molested. And um, I think that traumatic Instance and also around that time, I was um, being bullied a little bit. Uh, yeah. Someone was saying, "You think you can sing? You suck." So, I'm. Um, I'm glad you brought up vulnerability because I'm feeling very vulnerable at this moment. Of course, again. of course. And, uh, but you're so, being
1: very courageous.
2: Um. I still need to work through that time in my life when that happened, when I was feeling so free and so in love with what I was doing and so creative. And then having that instance happen to me, in a way, it anchored, because we were talking about tapping and anchoring earlier. Yeah. Yeah, I think those two things collided. The singing and then being molested right and um so those things collided and i think that i've been anchored to um feel shame to feel bad to feel guilty to feel no good absolutely like dirty or i don't know like There's a lot of things coming up for me right now as I'm talking to you.
1: Of course. Well, and as children, we think we can control these circumstances that we're responsible for mom and dad fighting or this person acting out on me. And so when that happens, yeah, we still have it from the age in which the event occurred. So that's only natural. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I know it's easy to say it in an, an intellectual way, even though you're processing it in your heart space.
2: Yeah. And so I'm going through that process right now. I've gone through so many breakthroughs in my life to get to this point, and um, I, I'm i committed to having a breakthrough in it, and I, I've talked to uh, several people that are on board, and I'm going to do a music video that's also a short film, short film slash music video, where I'm going to be singing on stage, and because I'm so committed to having this breakthrough, and I believe that it is my gift. Yeah, and this gift, is something that um, I need to share.
1: I love that. That's very truly courageous. So do you mind if I ask you a a couple of additional questions? Sure. So at age eight after those events, the bullying, the molestation, did you stop singing altogether? Was it something you retreated from? How did that manifest?
2: Yes. I never sang in public ever again. Wow. until, Until... Save the Children of Tibet project so, um, because it was for the love of these children that I did it, not because I wanted to be in the limelight. I was doing it for these children and I feel that I can sing when I'm doing it for somebody, like for some good in the world. Wow. For some reason, I, I feel guilty if it's if I'm doing it for pleasure oh that's interesting so yeah if I'm hmm.
1: that is interesting
2: mm-hmm.
1: right when we suppress ourselves we deny our gift to everyone but it seems as though it's something you love so since you're getting joy out of it why should you get to share it
2: yeah
1: that is interesting
2: but then part of me is like well maybe that person was right maybe I do suck and am, am I in denial? <laughs> You know, like, is it, it might be true. And am I in denial that?
1: We all have those thoughts. I guess,
2: you know what I mean?
1: We all have those thoughts. Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. It's, and it's, I, Julia Roberts said it in Pretty Woman it's much easier to believe the bad stuff yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah. So and there is science behind that because when we hang on to the bad, it keeps us safe. The limbic system is triggered where we go into flight or fight mode and obviously we want to be a part of the tribe. So that keeps us safe. And so we, you know, reduce it down to the least common denominator. I've heard Josh Pice say this, who's an, an acting coach in New York and Los Angeles, is we always reduce it down to you suck and it's because our limb, limbic system is triggered when we're criticized. <laughs> And we want to, yeah, so there is real science behind this. So it's helpful to talk about it because it's, it's certainly not anything that we do alone. Everybody does this.
0: <laughs>
2: Thank you.
1: Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, well, can I well, ask, how did you become involved? Kind of shifting gears, but I want to, you know, stay with the singing. So how did you become involved with Save the Children?
2: Well, I became friends with a director on Facebook not knowing that he was a director, because all of his languages, he has, speaks five languages, and his Facebook page was all in, mainly French, because he lives in Tunisia. And one day, we were talking philosophy and stuff, and I typed a couple things. And he said, oh my God, I said, what? And he said, you just typed some sentences that are in my film. And I said, what film? And he's like, oh, I'm a director student at this university. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah. And I said, well, let's make a film together. So I went to Tunisia, and we—it was six months after the revolution started, and the revolution started in Gafsa, Tunisia, when a man was had his—he uh, had a little cart out there selling food or items to feed his children, and the police, because he didn't have a permit, because he couldn't afford the permit, they took his cart, and because they took the cart, they took his livelihood away right. and set himself on fire <gasps> oh wow so that what year h- was this? 2010 ok so October, it was around October 2010 or a little bit before then and um, six months later I went to Tunisia to shoot a film on in on peace the director wrote it Ghazi Gafsa and we filmed it in Gafsa Tunisia
1: What was the reception like there? How were the police? How were the people?
2: Oh, you know, interestingly enough, it seemed like nothing had happened there. The people were loving and everybody was having a great time. There was, it it didn't seem like there was a revolution happening at the time. It was, I I felt safe. I felt um, loved, very taken care of by these people. And I'm not sure if the media is propagating certain things to keep us separate. Um, that's another conversation. Sure. These people are just amazing. I love them, and I'm still friends with them. They're like family, and I'm also invited to the wedding of Ghazi, him and his uh, fiance Fatima. And uh, we're I'm so excited for him.
1: And he was the one that introduced you to Save the Children.
2: No. Okay. So, so when I got back from the, from Tunisia, from filming, I was approached by Stephen Shetrit, who is a publicist for the UN, and he asked me if I would do an interview with some celebrities to promote Save the Children of Tibet, because His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, donated three acres of land in India to build this orphanage on, and... They started building in 2011, okay, and it's almost finished. But they needed someone to help promote it, be have people become aware. So I said I would absolutely love to promote and be involved in this, and I'm really excited. So about at first, um, when I started talking to him, we talked for maybe six months at the time, Stephen and I, and. Um, about six months later, he says to me, would you like to be an ambassador for children of Tibet? And I said, can I get back to you on that? Because I'm thinking, wow, that's a lot of responsibility. I don't know. What what does that entail? Sure. And holy moly. So I said, I'll call you back in a week. Let me think about that. And they said, is he sure he's talking to the right person? Because I'm thinking, whoa. So a week later goes by, and I had some time to think about it. And I said, you know. Like Richard Branson says, if you don't know how to do something, just say yes and then figure it out. And so I said, Mm, I'm going to do this because I love children and I just, children in the arts. So what happened was we did two concert benefits and at both these benefits, the first benefit I had planned on singing, but at the last minute I bowed out and I, we had a, huge amount of singers there and I was loving it but I was showing up to all the rehearsals because I wanted to sing at the event and I chickened out actually Mm. at the last minute well then I took NLP and I think I was in the middle of my NLP course my first one and the second concert came up and I sang with these five women on stage two songs together with them and during the rehearsal, she said, Kelly, you want to get up on the mic? And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I feel fine right here. <laughs> so I stayed sitting down with the five women and not standing because uh, I got really nervous. And um, so I'm noticing a little progression. Like the universe is providing opportunities for me to sing in public so that, to help heal me. And I know that NLP has done that for me. Um, During my course the breakthrough that my coach asked me to do is to sing in front of 25 people and That week during class he said first sing for the class and I was so nervous He said he thought that I was gonna be terrible because I was so nervous. I was like no. No, I can't do it. I can't do it and He I started singing in the class and he opened up the doors of the rooms and he said Wow, and several people in the room were crying and I don't know, because I was, are they crying because I was so nervous or what? Because you were so good. And then I, I, because it's my soul. And then um, about a week later, I went to Archangel Academy here in Los Angeles. Giovanni Morisco from Canada created this event where um, seven-figure earners would mentor angels. So the seven-figure earners are called archangels. And we met in a room for two days at the Hyatt in Century City on the um, Avenue of the Stars. And I was actually given a a scholarship to attend for two days. It was a $5,000 scholarship. And I met all these extraordinary people there. And so that was my coach who said, you need to sing in front of at least 25 people. So there were 75 people in the room. I said, "Okay." So I got up there and I said, "Okay, this is part of my coaching. I've got to sing in front of 25 people or more and I think this counts." <laughs> uh, I think so too. <laughs> so, I sang in front of them and every I got a standing ovation and I walked off and I just So, I um yeah. And then I was at an Oscar party a couple weeks ago and I was I was speaking to Dick Michaels who actually is a songwriter a well-known songwriter and he, I gave him my phone number and he phoned me last week, actually two weeks ago and um, said that he would meet with me to help guide me to create a signature sound. And I'm thinking, whoa, is the universe talking to me? Yeah. So I did not phone him last week because I chickened out, but but because of this broadcast people,
0: (laughs) I'm
2: going to call him back and I'm going to set it up. And I'm going to, and also last week my friend Michael Blum invited me to um, a music venue where he's playing, and he said, "Would you like to come out and sing?" So I feel like the universe is pulling me and calling me into that direction, and um, because it is something that, I mean, even when I think about it, just right now I feel like my I'm like the sun is shining out of my face because I'm it um, I just. Thinking about it just lights me up so much. That,
1: yeah, that was the exact language I was going to use because you sound very lit up, definitely. And I can tell you do it from your soul, from your essence, as you were saying, and that makes such a difference. It's not as the, you're going through the motions, the way we drive down the five. This is something like that I is... Never
2: started this conversation in the beginning? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, it's, d- it's deep within you. I can tell by the way you speak of it with such love and such passion. Yeah, and you put it out there to the universe, so here it
2: comes. (laughs) Yeah, and I want to adopt some children. My husband and I have not been blessed with children of our own, though I believe that these children, of Tibet, there are children there that we will be parents to. So I'm putting that out there as well. And um, when I met with His Holiness... Um, in February, it was the second time I was meeting with him. It was early in the morning at 6 o'clock, and there was a family standing to the left of us greeting him. They were the first ones that he greeted on his way to the elevator to go to the airport. And it was a little boy and a little girl. And I looked at her and I said, I would love to adopt a little girl like you and a little boy like you. And she said, really? What color are her eyes going to be? And her mother said, oh, honey, she can choose whoever she wants. So that is out there. I'm putting that out there, speaking that into existence. I yeah. would like to be a mom in the future um, and possibly be the mother of a Tibetan orphan.
1: Mm, I love that. And I love how that goes hand in hand with your singing and renewing your own spirit and then assisting others to do the same.
2: Yeah, that's really my, my passion, is to fulfill my dreams, as well as assist other people to fulfill theirs. It's just, it's always something that I've always aspired to do, is to inspire other people to live a life that they love. Yeah. I just want to live a life I love. I want other people, I want to play in a sandbox full of beautiful, authentic, creative, happy children no matter what their age, I, I think we forget the child within all of us.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's a beautiful point. That's really, really true. And just how expansive love is. The more you give, the more you actually get.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm. Well, I can tell you're deeply spiritual, so let me ask you, how do you define God, if you do define God, and how do you
2: find God? God, for me is love mm. acceptance remembrance and to bring up that word remember if you separate the word it's re-member and in a scientific realm if you say you remember something you're actually putting two pieces back together i love that and so peace, for me, ca- I think causes separation. Right. when you are peace, you are a piece of the whole. And then the whole has two words, too. A whole as in a whole being or a whole, like a hole in the ground. So, right. So the word for me these days is unity. mm mm-hmm. Because I started saying global harmony, but then when I started separating that word, harm and money. So then I said to myself, whoa, harm, money, that's interesting. So I, I, I came back and to look at at it in unity. I was sitting with two guys from New Mexico. Um, um, and we were Alex and Steve. And we were discussing this. And we all came up with global unity and if we can because what we focus on expands absolutely so if we focused on global unity oh I don't anything is possible I love
1: that and because we are all united we are all one in the same and interconnected yeah yeah that's good I like that Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, if our listeners wanted to learn more about you, connect with you, how would they do so? Are you? Do you have a website? Are you available on social media?
2: Well, anything slash the pow girl. So YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Google Plus, anything, Facebook. Got it covered. It's, it's all the pow girl. Beautiful, including my website. It's www dot com and POW stands for like I said predicted Oscar winner peace <laughs> love over that. Um, and planet of wonder yes planet of wonder I love that
1: beautiful Callie thank you for being here today thank you for being so brave I know that your story and your courage is going to impact a lot of other people and allow them to come forth and speak their own truth so thank you you have become an example of how to live an authentic life.
2: Well, thank you for asking me those questions.
1: (laughs) You are (laughs) welcome. Pleasure has been mine. Thank you.
2: And thank you to our listeners. And this show is fabulous. I listen to all the podcasts and it's, I'm excited for you. I'm going to be listening as well. I'm one of your listeners.
1: Thank you. Thank you. That's so gracious. All the best. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, for joining us here today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes and Stitchers. Until next week, good night and Sat nam.
0: Now it's time for you to move forward and discover the extraordinary in you. Moving Forward is produced by John Lim and BeMovingForward.com. All rights reserved.